Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. <clears throat> Go vote. Now here's the show. If you are heading to the polls tomorrow, you might be overwhelmed. My ballot was four pages long and filled with all kinds of measures and propositions and political offices that I really had to research to make my decision. But there's often one thing on the ballot that voters always seem to approve. Money for schools. Vote yes. Vote yes. Buses. Buses that have air conditioning. We don't have enough buses. Creating more opportunity and better learning for students. Help students succeed. School bonds are always so popular because we all want to care about the kids. But after you cast your ballot, who gets the money? And is it being spent wisely? Today, how those school bonds you vote on have led to developers using the school system as a kind of piggy bank. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Brian, so I see I see you brought a ton of papers with you mm-hmm. to this thing. Can you tell me what you got in front of you? Um, I have testimony from the Security and Exchange Commission. I have stacks of lawsuits and superior court filings. Brian Kranz is a freelance investigative journalist. He spent about a year looking at how school districts spend hundreds of millions in bond money. So you got a lot of you got a lot of documents. <laughs> this this is a handful. I have two boxes of documents at home. So I did a whole bunch of public records requests, and you know it's from Los Angeles to Mount Diablo, um, as far north as Eureka, as far down south as San Diego. So when it comes to school bonds, how many lawsuits are there in California? Less than half a dozen, some small ones, but it was all came from one lawyer. I need your permission in order to record this conversation. So if I get your legal name and whether or not I have permission. There was a lawyer named Kevin Carlin. Many of the things we're going to discuss today um, are not um, on the record or uh, can be recorded, but I will let you know which of those things they are. He runs a small little lawyer shop in San Diego. I've been to his office and there are just stacks of paperwork all over the place, just binders filling conference rooms. He actually grew up in the construction industry. And so he kind of had an idea of like just how things worked, you know, like this is how we get contracts and this is how we do it and this is how we write up fair deals. Uh, I have a very fiscal conservative uh, outlook and so I'm concerned uh, as far as taxpayer uh, waste and abuse goes. So those things all kind of came together. And then he went to law school, became a lawyer, and he became a lawyer for the construction industry, essentially. Small contract disputes, things like that. 
I had seen in the years prior to 2011, 2012, the rise of um, an alternative delivery method for school districts called lease-leaseback. Here's how the lease-leaseback deals work. School districts lease property to a developer for a dollar. That developer then builds schools or projects for the district, and then the developer leases the property back to the district. It's kind of like a mortgage. The developers, the bank, and the school pays the developer back over time. Schools have been allowed to do this without putting the contracts up for bidding, which means there's only one bank, and they set the price. This is what happened at Mount Diablo Unified in Contra Costa County. A few years ago, the Mount Diablo School District uh, wanted to hire someone to come in and improve the HVAC systems on five elementary schools and three middle schools. Okay, so heating and air for the school. Yeah, they used these lease lease backs just to hire out uh, one specific contractor for renovating their heating and cooling systems. Mount Diablo ended up hiring Tabor Construction for their deal, and it was like $14 million. It was a sizable amount. And this Taxpayers Association argued that it wasn't fair because it didn't give any smaller construction firms the opportunity to bid on these contracts. This group files a lawsuit on behalf of taxpayers. They're saying, look, we didn't get the best deal on this because you used one of these lease-leaseback deals, you didn't put it up for competitive bidding, and you just handed it to this construction companies. We have one public comment card, uh, Mr. Parker. You know, in some of these cases, like Mount Diablo, there were vocal opponents to these. I've objected to these things before, and I'll continue to object. Uh, they were like, look, we've been hearing that this is not the process. route to go, and people are getting in trouble. And they're just like, ah. Well, anyway, we're going to hire this guy. He's great. I've never heard this board direct the staff or the district to enter into these agreements. So, I, you know, please take a look at these, and let's tune up the process. Thank you very much. Like Kevin Carlin's other lawsuits, the Mount Diablo School District and the contractor were sued because of a conflict of interest. The suit alleges the district hired the consultant to help with the bond, and then they hired the consultant to develop the project. And this legal battle now has been going on for four years regarding just, is this agreement even legal? This is just air conditioning. This isn't even a brand new school that are just being built, like, you know, all over the Bay Area. The way school districts are getting money for lease-leaseback deals are through bonds. And voters love school bonds. They almost always pass them. Who doesn't like schools? And that's a good argument, especially <laughs> when you're filling out your ballot. And it's like, this is, this is money that will go to children. People love schools. Prop 51 will upgrade libraries, science labs, and classroom technology and relieve school overcrowding, creating more opportunity and better learning for students. Easiest way to get people to pass a bond is they have to hear about it. So the yard signs and the radio commercials and the social media posts. And who's behind all this advertisement marketing? The single biggest group in the state is the Coalition for Adequate School Housing. They call themselves CASH. CASH? Yes. CASH. C-A-S-H. As Kevin Carlin always loves to point out that their newsletter is called the CASH Register. Uh-huh. They represent anyone who might have business before a school district or uh, the bond brokers, the people that are going to handle and manage the money. So it's people on the Wall Street side of things. And then it trickles all the way down to just local contractors that are just trying to get these, these contracts. Cash is a lobbying group that's like this one-stop shop for passing and spending school bond money. I asked Brian for a hypothetical. Um, okay. 
we have an increased enrollment, so we need to build a new school. That involves architects and lawyers and all these different people. So if I'm smart, I'm going to go for a one-stop shop for all. And I can go to, like, Cash's annual conference. It's also kind of nice. They have golf outings. And they're like, great. Well, we need to introduce you to this architect. We can introduce you to this construction firm. Sometimes they come as a package deal. And then, but most importantly, how are you going to pay for it? So they have experience passing bonds all over California. Cash is backed every school bond since the 80s in California. So they have tons of knowledge. You know, they're, they're registered as a lobbying group. So they have people in Sacramento ready to help you out with this. So then, all right, we get it signed up and it's on the ballot. And then Cash can help with messaging. They, they know people. And then, boom, it passes. And all of a sudden, we have this pot of money, and we're going to build this project. Cash is also the place where, like, good, we have somebody managing the financial part of your bond. And now we also have people that help construct the actual school. There's good money in this. This is a huge industry, and so there's a lot of people that want into it. Huge industry, like the $9 billion bond measure back in 2016, Prop 51. I think one of the most interesting things I found out that no one reported on is after Prop 51 passed... You know, the state allocation board who hands out this money, they have a meeting. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to call to order the January 25th meeting. That says, hey, so we were actually audited by the Department of Finance. And the last time that the state passed a school bond, we didn't do any final checks of that money. One of the critical findings that they outlined was that we weren't conducting field audits. And they also had some question costs that they identified in the projects that they audited with the school districts. Some school districts were buying golf carts and mascot uniforms. Some were even using like cleaning fluid, which I know I understand a school needs cleaning fluid, but the way that the bond is paid, you end up paying double for that. Is that what these committees that are supposed to be formed after bonds get passed are supposed to be doing at the local level? Exactly. There, I mean, there's even one case in an unnamed school district where they're like, the contractor billed twice for the same work. Wow. The lack of transparency with these lease-leaseback deals hasn't gone unnoticed. Kevin Carlin, the attorney who's been fighting for changes to the system, says it was a win when lawmakers passed a law back in 2016 that says school districts can no longer just hand out contracts to whoever they want. Now, if districts want to do lease-leaseback deals, they have to seek proposals. It has uh, certainly improved uh, the transparency of the lease-leaseback transactions occurring after January 1st, 2017. And in that regard, um, we think it's an improvement. Cash still has a lot of influence in how bond money gets spent. And Carlin says the Public Oversight Committee is designed to oversee how school districts spend bond money, receive little training, and sometimes they're just too cozy with district officials. I feel like bonds are one of those things that you vote for, it passes, and you consider the work done. Oh, yeah, you did a good job. I mean... (laughs) There, we're we're done. Considering the size of... California's ballots, like the number of things. All... It was overwhelming. It's it was overwhelming. really overwhelming. Do you think we in the Bay Area are paying enough attention to this? I think when you're dealing with 
hundreds of millions of dollars that turn into billions of dollars that turn into hundreds of billions of dollars. And there are people at the state and the local level that are saying, like, look, there's no oversight and there's no accountability. I think we should pay more attention to those types of people. What's your what's your takeaway from the almost year of reporting you've done on this story? You have big eyes and you seem overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of my friends don't want to hear anymore about school bonds. <laughs> you actually ever, take this to your friends. Ever again. <laughs> You're the guy at the party talking about school bonds. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a real life party on that one. <laughs> um, no, because it's, it's interesting. I think the big thing for me is uh, paying attention to the messaging. And is that, you know, it's put before voters that this is for the kids. This is for the kids. This is for the kids. And then... When that money hits, it's not all of it is going to the kids, and there aren't enough people that are paying attention to this kind of stuff. I think it's pretty easy for anyone to get overwhelmed with what's on the ballot. And often, when we vote on something like bond money, it's really easy to forget about what happens to that money after it's passed. Thanks to reporter Brian Kranz for following the money. To see his full story at the East Bay Express, check out the link in our episode notes. As for Kevin Carlin's case against Tabor Construction and the Mount Diablo School District, a judge decided last month to stop the lawsuit from moving forward. KQED is going to be all over state and local elections on Tuesday. We'll have live coverage throughout the day, and the Political Breakdown podcast is going to host a two-hour live special from 9 to 11 p.m. To get real-time updates on all the races, visit kqed.org elections. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That is it for the Bay. Talk to you Wednesday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.